Welcome to episode four of Points of Intersection. Again, I'm your host, Jonah Kunish, and uh, we have a very special episode coming up. I chat with who was supposed to be my first guest. According to him, I promised that he would be my first guest. Um, I also made that promise to my wife, so I don't know how that worked. Uh, maybe I was the one at fault in both cases. But anyway, um, this is one of the best friends I've ever had, uh, even though we've known each other a couple years now. But he just has a great story about how he got to where he is, and uh, he wants to share that with you. So I'll let him do the talking from there. Without further ado, Aben Miller. Aben Miller. Hey Jonah, what's up? Welcome to the Points of Intersection podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Kunish. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. What's up, man? How are you doing? In, uh, I'm fine. Good. Uh, I believe you are taking this call in Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yep, I'm in Phoenix. All right. How long have you lived in Phoenix for? Um, I've been in Phoenix for about two and a half months. Maybe three now. Yeah, cool. Pretty nice. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't expect cold temperatures in Phoenix. They're known for extremely hot temperatures, as far as I know. Well, like it was, it was like really, really warm, and then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, really, really cold. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, but I think good. Cool. What are you doing in Phoenix right now? graduated with a degree in that field, correct? Yes, so I have uh, two degrees. I have one in linguistics, one in communication disorders. And wow, I didn't know that. Counseling. Wait, what? Yeah, what's, this, I, what's the other one? I'm minor in counseling. Oh, okay. Cool. Wow, you are a learned man, and I applaud you for it. <laughs> Not so much. I, I have to go to grad school to be more learned. <laughs> yeah, so you... You graduated from New Mexico State in 2018? Or was it? No, it's just... What? <laughs> Aggies. Aggies. Go Aggies. Do you know the, the New Mexico State fight song, Aben? I do. And we're going to drink some booze so we wobble in our shoes. <laughs> That's the part I wanted. That's the part I wanted to hear again. Could you could you possibly sing the whole fight song? 
Do you have it memorized? Um, I, let me see. <laughs> I mean, I did work for admissions, so... So you should I know it. it for work. What? So you should know it. You probably had to sing it to all the incoming freshmen while no, you're giving I tours. Do that. I don't want to... I'm not, like, very proud of the, the fight song, you know? But <laughs> I could sing it if you want me it to. <laughs> it does talk about getting irresponsibly drunk. So that was pretty shocking to me when I saw it on a banner above the <laughs> above the football stadium. It's okay, not. It goes something like Aggies, oh Aggies, he'll send back the cry. We're here to do or die. Aggies, oh Aggies, we'll win this game and know the reason why. And when we win this game, we'll buy a keg of booze and we'll get, and we'll drink it till the Aggies so we wobble in our shoes. Hey, <laughs> Aggies. Yeah. Woo. Nice. That was, yeah. that, was, that was a beautiful rendition, Avon. Thank you for that. Thanks. Uh, my beautiful voice uh, just woke up. It's making it even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, being a speech pathologist, I would think you are able to channel your voice in whatever form you want to take, right? Oh, yeah. I can, I can talk like Tom Cruise if I wanted to. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Um, I so, do Kristen Wiig. <laughs> okay, we, we need to hear the Kristen Wiig impression, if you really can do that. <laughs> uh, surely, surely. We'll save it for another time. Okay, that, that's what I figured. <laughs> Alright, so, do you want to talk about your background? So we've gone from, you're currently in Phoenix, to you went to New Mexico State University, graduated, you graduated this May, this past May. Yep. All right. What what came before that? And if you'd like to start at the beginning, you are welcome to do so. So you want to go backwards, or you want to go from the beginning forward? I don't know. We're making these weird time leaps, so. Uh, <laughs> you started with like where I'm at now, and then you went back a little bit. Yeah. And now you want me to go back a little bit more. So like, you want me to speak about high school and then before high school? I'm just I'm just keeping you on your toes, but I, <laughs> what whatever. <laughs> I want to hear your story as much as you want to tell, and if you want to go backwards, you can, or if you want to just start from the beginning and give the full rundown, you can do that too. Okay, well, I, all right, I'll just start from the beginning. Sounds um, good. When I was a wee little child, a long time ago. That's the Kristen <laughs> Wiig impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, so I was born in central Mexico, and I lived in central Mexico until I was about 16, and then, I'm, I'm giving you like the abridged, abridged uh, version. Sounds good. One detail. What? Details? Maybe, I, yeah, well, what what state in Mexico? Just a uh, small detail. I am from Aguascalientes, where the water is hot, and the people isn't. Alright, alright. Except for Aben. Except for Aben Miller. I think you went by you went by Daniel back then, right? Yeah, so I'm adopted from Central Mexico. It, it all started. So I was, I was born in Mexico, and I lived there. And then when I was 16, or a little before that, I met I met some missionaries actually, and they they were from Seattle. And back then, yeah, like my family. So my first name is Daniel. 
but people don't know that, and I guess now they do. <laughs> uh, my first name is Daniel, and I go by Aben, which is my middle name. And people back then used to just know me as Daniel, just because, like, my first name, and my immediate family used to call me Daniel, and then people at school and other places. And then I went to middle school, and that's when I started going by my middle name, which is my legal middle name is Abraham, which we'll get to the names in a bit. So I was going by Abraham. And then I met some missionaries this one time. Like, I was having a lot of family troubles with with my family. Um, I was a brat. I was really bad. <laughs> Aren't we all at 16? <laughs> yeah. We all are. On top of everything that was going on, it was a little difficult, you know. My dad and my mom, they were having a lot of problems. My dad was not being very faithful to my mom. And my mom was really unstable when she found out. And on top of that, he was drinking a lot. He was an alcoholic. I don't know. It was just, it was a very difficult time for them. And on top of that, I was a complete threat. <laughs> and so after all of that, oh yes, I met some missionaries and they were from Seattle and they shared the gospel to me. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, there's like something bigger than us. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I think I always knew that God existed and I always, I was brought up believing in some sort of God, but I was not like, I don't know. I didn't really want to believe the whole like Christianity thing. Just because I thought it was kind of lame, it also freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> and I remember meeting these guys, and they're like, yeah, we're Christian. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to try to convert me. Oh my gosh. They're going to try to perform an exorcism. Yeah. Then I got to know them, and I guess like what was really appealing to me about them was the way that they just loved each other in a very genuine way. Um, up to that point, all of my friends were very materialistic, and I feel like when I was in high school back in Mexico, it was all about the way you, the way you dress and things that you're doing and trying to fit in and all that stuff. And I was never really, I mean, I'm impressionable, but I was not, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go drinking or I'm going to go smoking for these guys. I was like, if you don't want to be my friend, I don't care. <laughs> and then when I met these guys and just seeing that, they loved each other in a very genuine way. I remember my friend Larry just like telling Tyler, hey man, I love you dude. He's like, love you too man. And that was just like, that just meant so much to me. Hmm. And it was like, wow, like these guys, I don't know. But like, And then not only that, um, seeing the way they, they like welcomed me into their group and they were like, oh, come hang out with us. Oh, come have dinner with us. Oh, come have breakfast with us. Wait, sorry, quick, so quick, cool. quick point of clarification, Aben. Um, were these guys wearing suits or white shirts with black pants and nice shoes with very, um, very good hair? And they have a little, yeah, they also have like a little like book on the side of the, and like in the pocket. Oh, not the Bible though. Something else? It, it's, it's a manual. It's like, it's not the Bible per se, but it's like a guide, you know? Oh, okay. It, it helps you. The Corrected Bible by Joseph Smith? Perhaps. Hello, my name is Elder Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear more singing. That's that's the reason I, I bet that. Was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they weren't Mormon. They were they were Christian missionaries. And so that's when I became a Mormon. <laughs> I just I 
and I I don't think either of us have anything against Mormons as a as a people, but I, it, no, I don't. I love Mormons. I'm just I, like, <laughs> it, it begged the, yeah. <laughs> it begged the question because you're like two guys always together. They came they came to meet me, so I just I had to ask. No, but. no, they were they were in LDS. They were like um, they were Christians, and it was a group of them. It wasn't just two guys. Okay. But, uh, yeah. The guys that I got closest with was Wesley, Tyler, Larry, and Sean, and Nuno. I guess I got close to a lot of them, and I, even to this day, I talk to them. I, I was actually just messaging Nuno, uh, his Nolan, and I wanted to to video chat with him sometime this week. So he's he's like, yeah, let's do it, and like we're still friends. He um, right now he he's a filmmaker in L.A., uh, but he's living in Seattle right now for six months with his parents. And he he's worked with uh, a couple actors and actresses from This Is Us. No, no, This Is Us. Um, yeah, I think it's This Is Us. That's the the show that was like really cool, or a BBC show that, or ABC. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think anyway, I know what you're talking. Anyway, it was about. like a show that. Yeah, and he's been working with a lot of those people. He's been filming in a lot of locations where the they film friends. Hmm. And it's kind of cool to see all of the things that he's doing now. Cool. And like how humble and great he is like that's just awesome, awesome. but yeah uh, no I, they were they were just Christ, uh, Protestant Christians and even if they were LDS LDS people are great <laughs> and I love them I have a lot of LDS friends because my parents graduated from the University of Utah and we go to Utah every we used to go to Utah every year and now I go on my own almost every year I just I went to Utah like a month ago mm. I love Utah and, and it's inhabitants. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. All right, so you met these uh, you met these missionaries when you were still living in Mexico, um, and you yeah, were. That's when I started just. Yeah, you were impressed uh, by their by their brotherly um, attitude uh, toward each other. Yeah, their brotherly love for each other. All right, and then what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, then after that, I kind of started going to church, and I was talking to these guys, and then but the situation with my parents got a little more difficult. And uh, the opportunity to live with my aunt came up because my aunt, my aunt wanted to help the situation and stuff. And so I moved to my aunt. Where did she live? She lived in El Paso, Texas. All right. Was that your first time in the States? No, I had been to the States before. Okay, cool. Yeah, but it was the first time I lived in the States. All right. So she took me in. And then after four months, she didn't want me there anymore. <laughs> Um, and so that's, I had already met my parents at church and they were like, your adopt, your adopted parents with them. Yeah. Mm. I was spending weekends with them and I spent Thanksgiving with them. And then with all, when all my, I don't know, my aunt was like, my aunt was saying that I didn't like her family and that I, that I didn't want to help with anything. And she sat me down one time and she she was just like accusing me of a bunch of things that weren't true. And I was like crying on the kitchen table. I was like 16 too. And she's like, what are we gonna do? Because I'm doing you a favor by you living in my house. Hmm. And I just, I was there crying. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. I'm very grateful for everything you've done. She's like, what are we gonna do? And so, yeah, it was very hard. <laughs> Yeah. So, sorry. We want to take you in. 
yeah, if, if you don't mind me stopping you, Aven, um, <clears throat> I just want to like get a little more into that, if you don't mind. Um, you you just moved from Mexico uh, away from your parents' house at 16, right? Or were you still, okay, so at 16, and then you're living with your aunt in El Paso, uh, and four months in, you you learn or you assume that you are going to have to move again. What were your, like, what were some of your emotions at that point? I know you mentioned, like, very emotional time for you, um, but, like, what were, I don't know, what were some of the, what were some of the thoughts that were going through your head at that time? Uh, it was saying, like, what am I going to do? Like, mm. um, I felt really unwanted, <laughs> mm. and it was hard because I was like, I have nowhere to go, and the situation back home with my parents, they had already gotten a divorce, it was not the best, mm. and so I had the option of like going back there, or, or um, figuring something else know. out. Yeah, like going somewhere else on my own. Mm. my 16 year old self you you mentioned like you look back and say like man I was I was a brat (laughs) Um, but also I think that's a time when you really don't know who you are yet and you don't know like kind of what you want to do or um, who you want to be a lot of times and so I'm sure that like played a part too kind of you know like wondering do you want to stay in the states maybe do you want to go back to Mexico Um, like who are you? I think that was a big question for, for me at 16 and for a lot of people oh, at 16. absolutely. It was a huge question for me. And not only that, like, I was, it was so interesting because it was this parallel between the life that I used to have and then the life that I had now. And I think, like, the, the reason why I share my meeting these guys from um, the missionary guys was because soon after that, I started just looking to God and, like, trying to grow spiritually and I was just really holding on to God very, very much. And so when my parents' situation got pretty rough and I had to move with my aunt, I was kind of like, I didn't see it as a, I mean, it was hard, but at the same time I was excited because I thought, hey, like, I, it's an opportunity to grow spiritually. It's an opportunity to meet more people like Larry Tyler you know, and all these guys from Seattle. Like, I just want to be surrounded by people like that. And so it was difficult to leave my, like, my um, biological family and leave the, like, home. Mm. But it was also an opportunity for me in my head <laughs> to mm. grow spiritually. Yeah. To hold on to God and to, like, go to this environment where I could meet more people that have that perspective. People like mm. the guys Seattle. Mm. And so, hmm. so you're kind of looking for that. Else, you're looking for something similar as you go to El Paso. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so when I went to the states, or when I went to, to El Paso, and I started, I started getting involved with this like church and doing the youth group and doing that, that stuff. I was like, 
things <laughs> like as a person I was changing mm. and so it, I got drawn this like parallel at that moment of like I can go back to what I know and what I grew up with as far as who I am or I can grow more and closer mm. to God yeah. and have this like more stable which I mean it wasn't necessarily stable with my aunt but yeah Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as you as you experience those um, that that growth and that exciting, uh, you know, the exciting new atmosphere in El Paso, uh, your aunt kind of like gives you this news and asks you like, "What are we gonna do?" So another another big roadblock, and then uh, then what happened after that? Yeah. So then I remember going to. Mm-hmm. But I remember going back after I missed like youth group and church, and then one of my brothers now, um, my brother Clayton was like, "What's going on? Like you've been you've been MIA, brother." <laughs> and I was like, um, "Well, it's been kind of hard. My aunt doesn't want me there anymore, and so I have nowhere to go." And then he just like looked at me and said, "What?" And he said, "Oh, you should talk to my mom." And I was like, "I was so embarrassed." Like, I don't know if you understand, but... That's not, yeah, that's not necessarily something you have a, a casual conversation about, right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I have nowhere to go. My aunt doesn't want me there anymore. But I'm chill. <laughs> <laughs> but everything's fine. I'm doing good. <laughs> right. I was really embarrassed. <clears throat> I was embarrassed that there were times that after church they would give me rice back home. I was so embarrassed of that too. I don't know why. I was just like, I don't want to depend on anybody. And so it was really embarrassing. But um, then I didn't say anything, but I, I think Clayton told my mom. And then my mom approached me uh, and she was like, I heard what's going on. And I just, we prayed about this. We really have. And we want you to be a part of our family. And we want paperwork. And we want to take you in. That's awesome. I, I mean, yeah, it was awesome. And she did say, pray about it, think about it, let us yeah. know what you think. And it's really funny because I feel like at that point, like, I kind of didn't have a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm praying about it and I'm thinking about it. But I mean, at the same time, like, sure, yeah. I'll take the opportunity since <laughs> yeah. I don't have any other choice. <laughs> You're like, I, I just prayed about it. And the answer is yes. <laughs> couple questions for you um before before moving on um <clears throat> so uh that's a really cool story and cool how you ended up in the united states and in el paso uh with your adopted family taking you in um was there was there a language barrier when you came to the states or had you learned english uh in mexico uh, i did some english just because of talking to the missionary guys hmm. oh, okay because after I met them, I, I, got, I got to talking with them a lot. I just wanted to learn more. I remember something that's really funny. Um, my friend Nolan Nuno, the guy that I've been talking about that lives in Seattle now, that's a filmmaker. 
Mm. Um, I remember messaging him and being like, man, I found the Bible. I want to read it. I really do. I just don't know where to start. What should I read? Hmm. And so he was like, oh, you know what you should do? You try reading the book of John. And I remember messaging him and being like, okay, okay, the book of John. Got it. Where can I buy that? Hmm. <laughs> he was like, it's in the Bible. And I was like, oh. Books and books. That's great. I don't know. I don't know if you told me that before. You might have told me that before, but I had a feeling it was John because I feel like that's the that's the um, usual response. I've also heard people say like start with the Gospels, and then people will read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then get to John and be like, "Well, those first three are very similar, but John is very different, very unique." So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you. I knew some English, but um, Hmm. it took me like three months get really, I don't know, to switch my brain from Spanish to English. Yeah, when you were in the States. I, yeah, I remember so clearly that I was so frustrated and I felt like I didn't fit in because of the language barrier. Like, I wanted to talk, I wanted to be friends with people. I wanted, I'm very talkative <laughs> and I'm very outgoing. And so, when I was going to the youth group, I wanted to be friends with these people, but I couldn't talk to them or I couldn't understand what they were saying. And I had to ask so many questions of like, Wait, what did you say? Wait, can you repeat that? Wait, what? That was really frustrating. And I think it was a little frustrating for them, too. Just because they wanted to speak with me. And I was like, wait, what? And then they were like, ah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> and then I remember when I when I was able to, like, speak and, and listen and understand. And I was, like, so excited. Yeah. And I, I remember just going to the church and wanting to talk to all these people. And they were like, like, okay, like, I, I, I guess inside of me, I was like, you have no idea. Like, I haven't been able to make this sound in a long time. And now, like, for you, it just sounds normal. But for me, it's like, new. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> Ground, groundbreaking for you. Um, so, I was like, I yeah. sound like you. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you, so did you, like, dive deep into like textbooks or was most of it just learning by speaking and listening and i ask i ask uh, for I this i ask for the sake of the story but also because i'm trying to learn spanish right now and i'm struggling <laughs> so i'd like some tips well, if you have them i learned by going on youtube a lot and just watching videos watching tv and also reading mm. so i would especially because spanish and english is very similar as far as grammar goes, like it's not like Russian. In Russian, you say which is like I have a, a table, but the grammar, what you're literally saying is the table is next to me. You're not saying I own this table. It's more like I next to the table. And that means for some reason in their brains that that's ownership. Hmm. Interesting. So Russian grammar is really hard, and especially because they switch. Oh, imagine you're like speaking like Yoda. That's how Russians speak. <laughs> the chair is my position. I don't know. <laughs> you say speaking like Jonah. Like Yoda. Oh. <laughs> I thought you're. Like you're taking a dig at the way I talk. I was about to just hang up. <laughs> just kidding. Well, and Jonah too, but. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking. Yeah. So yeah, and Spanish and English is so similar as far as grammar goes because 
as you read it, so you can translate everything, like the like the articles, the pronouns, and the sentences in the same order. You have uh, subject, verb, and preposition. Mm. Subject, verb. And sometimes, like the the, the adjective is switched around for a for a noun, right? Or yeah, a, but an it's adverb. Very, it's very minimal. Yeah. Like, it, if you translate something, you understand what it's. Right. Like so, the, the way I learned, I was just translating word by word. I had some books. Uh, it's really funny because the first books I read in English, like the very first book I, I read through, uh, was The Hobbit, hmm. and it's really funny because. In my brain or in my head, I was like, oh, everybody speaks like this. I just want to go and talk to everybody like this. And so I went <laughs> to high school, and I remember saying something like, oh, that looks very SQ. And they're like, that looks what? <laughs> and I was like, you know, SQ, like, like to the side. And he was like, do you mean crooked? And I was like, I don't know what that word is, but maybe. <laughs> J.R. Tolkien doesn't use that word. I don't all I know is a skew. I don't know. And I thought everybody knew all the words in the language. I thought hmm. I could just ask anybody in my high school, hey, what does this mean, word? Obliged. And they're like, I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I was like, but you grew up here. <laughs> what? Yeah. And I guess that's some of the difference between like colloquial usage and literary usage. And also we're kind of yeah. dumbed down as time goes on, it seems like. But that's another yeah. conversation. <laughs> So to be able to like speak English and and be more learn language that was gonna be more useful for me, I dove into the dangerous waters of dun, dun, dun. I forgot the name. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, of of another book, you mean? Um, the guy who's oh, I I have the name. It's like the tip of my tongue. Um, Give me a hint. The guy that wrote the Notebook. Oh, Nicholas Sparks. Nicholas Spark, yeah. Yeah, I read so many Nicholas Sparks books. It's not even funny. That's why you're such a romantic uh, now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read um, I read The Notebook. I read Message in the Bottle. I, met, I read Safe Haven. I read The Last Song. <laughs> what, was, what was the best Nicholas Sparks book that you read? Message in the Bottle was definitely my, one of my really good ones just because I was reading it and I went to the beach around the time I was reading it so it just felt like amazing to be mm. reading that book I was speaking about the beach while I was at the beach <laughs> yeah that's cool so I I tried to do this also uh, do you know 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez yes so yeah, yeah. I, I tried to start with that book and it's so dense like I had to translate every sentence like word for word um, and maybe that's how you started too, but um, I'm just curious, like, did you just have the English translation and then, um, like, translate on your own, or, like, did you have an English-Spanish dictionary, or how did you actually make that translation as you read these books? Um, I had the, the book was in English, so I had The Hobbit, and then I was reading, and I had a, it's called Franklin, um, it's my little electronic translator. And so back then you couldn't you didn't have a phone. It's so funny because it's not a long like it's been about eight years. Mm. And, huh. Well anyways, eight years ago, apparently, you know you didn't have translation or translators in your phone. Well, you couldn't just download yeah. an app. Okay. 
iPhones came out 10 years ago, but you didn't have one yet. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Uh, maybe I didn't have one yet. <laughs> I just, yeah, just for sake of historical accuracy here. <laughs> maybe iPhones didn't have translators back then. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. I had this, and they were like really popular, the uh, translators. Mm. And so it's like a little, little pocket, like handheld device called a Franklin. Devoted. Yeah, I was very devoted. Cool. Um, all right. So another question I had uh, about, and I'll I'll take those into consideration as I'm trying to learn Spanish and <laughs> try to apply them. But uh, when you so when you learned that you were going to be adopted and you go back to Mexico to fill out paperwork with your biological family. Um, were you mostly excited during that time or was it difficult like going back to your biological family to fill out that paperwork knowing that you were about to move permanently to El Paso? Was it kind of mixed emotions at that point or was it mostly excitement? No, it was mixed emotions. Um, it was really interesting. I actually had a really hard time with them that it was like a Christmas time and it was, it was hard because it was seeing them after I hadn't seen them for like four years, four weeks, four months. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, after not seeing them for four months and then seeing them again, and then the dynamic was different, like they were divorced, everybody was just not doing well. And so it was exciting. And you had, you had sibling, you have siblings also? Yes. Were I they? Uh, a brother and a sister. Were they at home when you came back? Yeah, my brother was never home. I mean, he wasn't home. He was living at home if he was never home. And then my sister. She was at home, but she was going through a really hard time just because of the divorce and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so the whole environment was just very not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a difficult time. Yeah. And they were, were they younger than you? My sister is younger than me. My brother is older for five, oh. five years. Mm-hmm. How much younger is your sister? A year. A year? Okay. All right. Yeah, so you... How long did you spend with them uh, during that time as you were filling out paperwork around Christmas time? Um, it was like two weeks. Okay. And then you headed back up to the States and uh, you finished up your last couple years of high school in El Paso? Um, so I was going to school in Texas at the time. And so I finished that semester and then my parents transferred me to a school in New Mexico. And that's when I started going to Mesilla Valley Christian Schools mm-hmm. in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And now, okay, so, yeah, now we're talking about the Millers, and, like, your last name became Miller, obviously. You were going by Abraham uh, up to that point. How did Abraham become Aben? Um, so, we have a family tradition with all the guys' name and with N. So it's Grayson, Brayden, Jameson, Addison, Christian, Clayton, Colton. So it was Abe, Aben. And then all the girls' hmm. name and with A. Lana, Leonora, Sasha, and Natasha. Hmm. Cool. Wow, that's a uh, a lot of kids. And uh, for the for the sake of the the narrative here, I'm acting like I don't know any of this. I've heard most most of this from you already, Aben. Um, but just for the sake of the of the story and for the listeners, um, how many kids are in your family? 
There's uh, 12 of us. 12. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a clean dozen right there. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes. You should see the dinner time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a dirty Soccer dozen. Soccer games, basically. <laughs> Soccer games. Huh? I, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. When I used to live at home, you know, you just have to become agile and fast. Otherwise, you don't eat. <laughs> Did you get good with a bow and arrow during that time? Oh, yeah. You should see. It's like a zoo. And just like jumping on the table, trying to take, hey, that's my chicken! <laughs> yeah, it's the Hunger Games, man. So, a lot of really good survival skills. Um, a great, great um, Boy Scout resume. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I may say something. You earned a lot of survival badges during that time. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so are all of the, are all those kids biological, except for you? No, uh, there's five adopted, including me, and seven biological. Where, where are the other adopted kids from? Uh, I have two sisters from Russia and two sisters from Ukraine. Very cool. Awesome. So the Millers, uh, actually, I just want to throw something in here that I heard the other day. My, let's see, I'm trying to think of how to, how to say this relationship. My wife's grandma's boyfriend was uh, an adoption agency like advocate for a long time um, and he said that when you get north of like 10 kids that it's easier for the parents because the older kids will take care of the younger kids and everyone comes, kind of becomes like self-sustaining and they like the kids help each other out um, was that your experience yep. being in that family my dad works for the military, and so he was leaving home by four in the morning to try to get to the uh, army base, and then staying there sometimes all the way till seven p.m. So he was gone from four a.m. or he's, I mean, he still does this. So he was gone. He has gone from like four a.m. till seven p.m. sometimes, and a lot of the times, especially now, he's uh, been traveling a lot to Michigan and Virginia for like military-related stuff that he can't really talk to us about. My mom is a speech therapist, and so she was at work from 8 a.m. till, I want to say, 5 p.m. when she would come home, 5 or 6 p.m. And so it was on us to make dinner for the girls and make dinner for everybody and then just make sure that everybody was, okay, did the girls eat? Did the girls do their chores? And Or like the younger kids, you know, like my brother Jameson and I, we're the oldest in the house, and so Jameson would always cook for all of us, and sometimes I would cook, sometimes Clinton would cook, which is like rotate days, and then sometimes Christian would cook, um, and just like make food for everybody, make sure that everybody ate, make sure that everybody did their homework, and then Jameson was in charge of basically taking everybody around, which was to youth group, to Boy Scouts, to soccer, to school, so like even school, we would take each other to school, drop off the girls and Addison and the triplets, and then go, Jameson and I would go to Cruces to for school because he was in, already in college. He was, yeah, he was in college and I was in high school for like a year. Mm -hmm. And so it was all, the two of us dropping everybody off and then going to school and then he'd come back and pick up everybody and then make food for everybody and then take everybody to different activities like soccer or Boy Scouts and 
then dad would help pick us up at King's Kids or youth group or whatever. But yeah, it's hectic and it's like that. Everybody, everybody does everything. Great. That's cool. Yeah, so you're going to be really good at parenting when you have kids because you've already had the practice. Sorry, I guess touchy topic. All right, um, moving on. <laughs> um, I'm actually. Um, it's funny because like I'm I'm expecting right now. Oh, are you? Wow, that's a miracle of modern science. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, all right, so you were all right. So you're in El Paso. You said you went to high school for about a year um, in at Mesilla Valley Christian. And then went to New Mexico State from there. Yes, sir. All right. Um, and you did you are always ugh, did you always know this is ironic? Did you always know you wanted to be a speech therapist or speech pathologist? And did your mom inspire you know. in that? Um, I didn't know what my mom did. <laughs> I knew she was a speech therapist. I just didn't know what that meant. Hmm. Um, because I guess growing up in Mexico, you don't really have a lot of speech therapy going on. I mean, I, I bet it exists, and they do it somewhere. I just, I was not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go to school in this classical Christian education school called New St. Andrews. I wanted to go to New St. Andrews for, for my college career. Um, it's in Moscow, Idaho, and I, I really wanted to go there. But my parents didn't want me to go there because I had a full ride for academic scholarship at MSU. They were questioning, why would you pay... Thousand dollars a year when you can just go to school for free. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the education, Dad. The education. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. <laughs> Classic angsty but, teenager uh, behavior. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to go to the south, to the northwest. I thought it was beautiful up there, and I really thought that the people up there were going to be better. I don't know why. Hmm. Which is not true. People are people everywhere. Um. Maybe you just had the, the urge to explore more, too. You'd already been in two different countries. You wanted to go halfway across the country again. Is that part of it? Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, that was a huge part of it. I feel like I was like, I, I want to move somewhere new. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Um, and I don't know. I'm really glad I didn't go to that school. It, it is a liberal arts school, so I would I would have graduated with a liberal arts degree, which I don't know what I would have done with that. <laughs> Um, besides going back to school, but... Which you're going to do now. <laughs> I am going to do now, but I'm going for a master's now for yeah. a bachelor's. Oh, okay. There you go. That's, that's better. Um, yeah, sorry, what did you say, though? Um, the school wasn't accredited, so that was also a big part of why I didn't go there. Mm-hmm. But okay. I, it was so attractive to me because the curriculum was a lot of classical education and classical reading and literature and rhetoric and philosophy and theology Mm. and I just honestly believe that all these things make someone they make you able to understand better like writing and and they make you better better at expressing yourself which as you can tell I have a really hard time doing
Instagram and Snapchat and mm. all the things that we get bugged down every single day. Yeah. Right. Was there a no social media policy at uh, in Moscow either, <laughs> or at that school? No, they, they use they use <laughs> they use social media. Yeah. I'm just saying, like you're so busy reading all these classical literature and Saint Augustine confessions and um, Greek literature, and yeah. and they also like make you write your own orations and things like that. So it was like really cool. It's something that I really have a passion for. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to go there. But I think that ultimately it is great and I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's not useful. I think it's very useful. I think that people should and will benefit from diving into the classics all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think that we also living in a very demanding world where if you just go to school for that People don't see the value in, in that, and mm. I think that to be able to have an impact in your society and in the world, I mean, we are in the world, not of the world, that's what the Bible says, right? And so we are, we have certain responsibilities of, like, partaking and, like, going to school and getting mm. a regular degree and being able to be a part of society. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned uh, even more now. Like, a lot of people, oh, well, why would I do that? I don't even like society. And it's like, mm. no, you may not like it, but... It's your responsibility as a good citizen and like good productive person to yeah yeah so uh, you know have a degree right yeah so basically in order to impact the world you first have to be in the world like somewhat a part of it uh, and learn what that's like and learn the rules um, an English teacher that said like learn the rules to break the rules so first you have to learn like that can that's true he was talking about grammar. But I think that can be true about um, the world. Like, if you want to make the world a better place, you first have to learn about it, walk in other people's shoes, and then try to change it for the better. You can't just, like, stand from a pedestal and say, well, I'm going to make the world a better place, so here we go. Um, you kind of have to get your get your hands dirty a little bit first. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think my mom was right. <laughs> my mom's going to love listening to that. <laughs> but <laughs> my mom was right as far as, Going to this Christian university would have just made me be in this cocoon of people that have the same and similar mentality and similar, just like thinking, similar ideas, which is great. But at the same time, it's like you you need to not just be in this sheltered environment. You need to see how the world works, when mm. you say, to be able to influence the world. Yeah. And I think that going to the school, it would have just made me be with these people that are Christian and be like, well, I have no reason why to meet anybody else. And I think it would have made me, just knowing myself, it would have made me a little bit more, a little bit arrogant as far as like, well, these people are not the, the kind of people that I hang out with or this and that. And I think that going to an MSU really grew me as a person. And yeah. it was where I was supposed to be. So it would have been so- a lot of awesome people. Yeah. So it would have been, including me. As one of those awesome people. Just kidding. No, you're probably talking about... Then I met Jonah, but... You're probably talking about Abby and Becca and... Yeah, Abby and Becca and everybody else. Yeah. And this guy from Tennessee. Doug. Yeah, yeah, some some jackass from Tennessee. And then you finished up your degree, and now you are, again, uh, doing a speech therapy job. You said a speech therapy assistant or speech pathologist assistant in Phoenix? Yeah, so my license is as an assistant. Um, what I do, I do therapy. I do um, 
speech therapy with a bunch of kiddos, and one of them is like, saying hi to me on the window. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> hey, Avery. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear him. Can you hear him? I can hear him. I don't know if the if the uh, speaker will pick him up, but glad we caught yeah. that on tape. All right, cool. So now, uh, do, you, do you enjoy what you're doing right now in Phoenix? Yeah, I love what I do, yes. Cool. It's so, so much fun. It's very engaging, and I definitely see how, in a way, like I'm impacting these people, mm. and it's people that need services and need help, mm. you know, and there's so many of them. And mm. it just opened, it's opened my eyes to, like, going to the self-contained schools. There's a ton of autism schools, and special services, schools, and seeing all the people that, seeing all the people that need help, it's just open, I don't know, my eyes to see mm-hmm. that what we do is making an impact. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, I have another question for you, and this could potentially go down a rabbit hole, um, but I don't, I don't think that you or I, <laughs> you or, let's see, I am, okay, you or I, Got to get my words right, speaking to the wordsmith here. Um, but I don't think you or I are uh, very politically minded or very politically motivated. Um, but I have to ask, with the the recent administration, or the current administration, rather, and the kind of tensions between uh, Mexico and the United States um, with the current administration, like what... I, we, were, we were talking about the other day. So you said that on the on the other side of kind of um, antagonistic behavior toward the president and his uh, ideas about, you know, immigrants, which is, I think you and I probably both agree is wrong and bigoted. <laughs> um, but on the other side of that, there's people who say like, well, the U.S. is just a terrible place to live. Like, I can't live here anymore because it's become this hate-filled place or this um, biased place that, that discards certain citizens. Um, what, what were you saying about that, if you could just repeat some of that for, for the listeners? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I was reading Plato's um, On Responsibility, and it talks about how Socrates and somebody else, were, they were having a conversation, and it's basically Socrates saying that he, like he's being banished of the land, and he says, it's fine, I'm going to go and, and live and die somewhere else, and I'm going to take this. And then um, the person that was, I can't remember, was it, I think it was Plato. I don't, was it Crato? Sure. Was it Crato yeah, speaking Crado. to Socrates? Yeah. Yes. It was Crato speaking to Socrates, and it was Roa Plato, and it's Plato on responsibility. And, and it says that Socrates is saying that he's going to take his due punishment because he loves the place where he lives and he understands the rules and he as a citizen is taking um whatever the like the country is giving him and so i guess the, the whole point is understanding that he loves that country and therefore he's gonna be okay with the rules even though those rules are like taking him out of that country if that makes any sense hmm. yeah so, so kind of like communal responsibility saying like well i'm a part of this country so for better or for worse i'm here and i'm gonna i'm gonna live here yeah and i guess like what i was saying the other day when you and i were talking about it is like there's a lot of people that are constantly complaining about it and there's a lot of people that say oh these other places are so much better and it's like well is it is it <laughs> so much better and if it is so much better why don't you go to that other place <laughs> 
like I feel like people are so fast to speak mm. and they don't understand what they're saying or what that entails. Mm. And yeah. and I don't know, like if if you love this country, then you have to abide by their rules mm. because it's like a it's like a contract. If that makes any sense. Mm. And like I'm saying that. I mean, people that are born in this country, they're like, oh, well, I don't care. I was born here and I didn't choose. Yeah, you didn't choose, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe you have the choice to move later on. You can and you will. I don't know. But um, as far as, like, if you want to live here, it comes with the, the good and the bad. You know, like, people people just want to get the good all the time. And they don't understand that there's good and bad. Mm. And it comes together. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's funny because I was... I was listening to Jefferson Besky and he was saying, uh, I got his book on Audible, and he was saying how the relationship with God comes with good and bad, and just as any other relationship. There's, hmm. Like, people in our nature is so focused on pursuing not the essence, but um, the benefits. And so hmm. for relationships, a lot of the people pursue relationships with the wrong motivations as far as, like, they're pursuing the relationship for the gifts and for the benefits of the relationship which is kissing and loving or not kissing and hugging and all the physical stuff the, the relationship is not about the physical stuff the relationship the essence of the relationship is the other person mm. that's who, what a relationship is about whose relationship just any relationship mm. with anybody okay like yeah. specifically romantic relationships yeah yeah so, so a relationship okay, cool. is not about the gifts it's not about the benefits it's about the essence of the relationship, which is the other person. Yeah. And so when someone makes the relationship all about the gifts and about the benefits, which is mm. the sex, physical touch, and all that stuff, when you take that out, then that's why you, when you have a lot of the people, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't love them anymore. Well, did you love them in the first place for who they are? Did you love them for the benefits of the relationship? And mm. I feel like all the people and ev- like everybody just wants the gifts and the benefits of any situation, even living in places. Like that's why you have a lot of people especially here in Arizona, who live in Alaska and then they come to Arizona only for the winter and then they leave in the summer because they don't want to get the, the good and the bad. They just want to get the good of the, the benefits of the situation. Like, oh, Arizona has beautiful weather only in the winter and we're going to leave in the summer because it sucks in the summer. Well, guess what? Real life isn't like that. There's good and bad and you have to take them both. And I feel like it goes, like that's the way it is with living in in like a country, like there's good and bad. Like mm. no place is perfect, but I, in the end. But there's there's nothing wrong with the snowbirds. I mean, they're still living in the country. No. They just choose the good weather in each state. <laughs> but saying, no, I I hear you saying though. The nature. <laughs> Let's not poop on the snowbirds the too much of though. <laughs> the nature of people is just take the to take the, only the good things and mm. complain about. Mm, yeah. And people don't realize that mm. it's it's out. You get the whole deal, or you don't get anything at all. Yeah. So. Snowbird, and you have the money. <laughs> and, and there you go. And you've you've worked hard your whole life, and you have the money and the time to do so. Um, but yeah. So in relation to the United States, uh, I think you and I both agree. Like free speech is a great thing. Like that we can sit here and talk about this and almost voice any opinion we want, unless it's you know libel towards someone or uh is like treasonous to the country um but we we do have the freedom to do that and that's not true in a lot of places around the country um we have unparalleled freedom you know 
historically unparalleled and like those are good things and like you said i think some people focus on the bad and say like oh this is a horrible place like this is a horrible you know insert whatever thing about the u.s you want to there um for instance like i was i i got a paycheck recently and abby and i are going over uh like our money for the month and she <laughs> she was like where did all our money go and i was like uh taxes and insurance and we look at it together and the breakdown just like blows her away being like man we lose like half of our paycheck to to taxes and insurance and things we have to pay for yeah but like i just said like yeah that's true and that's hard like that's a hard part of of adult life is that the hard work that you do like half of it is lost to things like that but it's also why we have a very stable system like part of the reason why our public servants uh make good money so that they continue to want to do those jobs and we continue to have a stable um a stable environment a stable nation you know so yeah. it's a give and take yeah absolutely like you said. and like i don't i don't want to like this <laughs> mexico but i mean if you think about the corruption that is going on there it's all uh, motivated and is driven by this we're not the people that the servants the the not servants <laughs> the public people public servants public defenders i don't know whatever you want to call them uh the police and all of these people they're not I don't know, they're not getting paid well or whatever. And, and So they have to like turn to corruption? Yeah, so it turns into corruption because they're not doing well and so they want more. Hmm. Like, it comes with, I mean, it's not just not doing well, but it's like greedy and greed and all the other things. But I honestly think that, like you say, if it wasn't for the way that our system is being run, they, they would not want to be that or do those jobs. Hmm. Yeah, because they're hard, so they're hard jobs. And it's a hard job, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all that to say, like, there are things that could be improved always. But I think something that I've been thinking about lately, too, in regards to that is kind of the danger of idealism. Um, because in reality, what like what is the best thing that we can hope for in life? We, we have a vision of what is ideal, and then, like, that never really happens in this life. Um, and so I think... Just, just thinking for myself about what is what is the best time that I've had in life, or what's the best stretch I've had. It's like where there were bumps in the road and like unmistakable bumps in the road, but I was stable. Uh, I had like good relationships. I had things to hold on to despite the hardships. And I think for me, just like accepting those hardships as reality is more helpful than clinging to an idealism about how things could be, knowing that they never will be, at least in this life. Yeah, I mean, we're doing, like, we're doing pretty good. Uh, people may complain and things like that, and yeah, taxes suck and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but uh, if you think about it, the U.S. is like a safe place. And, and more than anything, like, look at other countries. Like, there's a reason why, it's something we, you and I were talking about, there's a reason why the U.S. is one of the leading countries in the world and mm -hmm. it's not because people are just kicking it here <laughs> mm -hmm. like yeah there's hard work being i don't know yeah hard hard work being done and that i ideal or the value of uh of work in the united states is something that is it's a good thing cool all right well we are <clears throat> 
a little over an hour here, Aben. So I'm gonna wrap it up. But is there anything else? <clears throat> Excuse me. Anything else? <clears throat> wow. Okay. I think I'm better now. Is there anything else you want to want to talk about or want to say uh, before we call it an episode? I just think that I'm very grateful that you're my friend, <laughs> and I like that you're you're doing this and talking to people and making people be heard and yeah, good job, man. Yeah, thank you. I condone your your life choices. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not all of them, but you condone some of them. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. And uh, I just like to say that since we met in New Mexico about about a year and a half ago now, um, you've been somebody that I can talk to vulnerably and honestly to. And uh, I feel like you give me the same back. And um, I appreciate the connection that we have. And you said earlier that uh, you you aren't always the best at putting your thoughts into words. Um, but I would, I would disagree with that because I think you, you do articulate well and you, um, you are passionate about things and you care about people and you express that well. And I think the, the listeners here would agree with that. So keep up the good work in Phoenix and keep chasing your dream of being a speech pathologist because I think you are going to make a positive impact on the world. I appreciate that a lot. appreciate you. Yep. Love you, brother. Again, that was Aben Miller, and uh, I really appreciate that conversation that we had the other day, um, and for his willingness to allow this to be put out there, and for his honesty and vulnerability in telling his story. Um, Also, this just so happens to be the Halloween episode. Um, I should get this out before Halloween is over for those of you out on the East Coast, but um, that's completely coincidental. I'm not saying that anything was scary about this episode. (laughs) But um, I wanted to say a quick note about what Aben described in picking a college or area of study. And that probably resonates with a lot of people, a lot of younger people that are in the millennial and Gen Z generations. Because we want to do things differently. We want to do things creatively. uh, But we still need an income. And we still need realistic goals as older generations might say. Uh, but I appreciated Aben's input on that, and I'd love it if we could have more conversation on that. So, and I mean everyone having more conversation on creativity and thinking outside the box and individuality versus what is expected um, in society and what actually earns money to earn a living. Uh, I'd really love it if artists didn't have to be starving if artists could have families and be stable um, in this prosperous nation. And so, yeah, I'd love to open up dialogue about that. Leave me a voice message or be my next guest, and we could talk about that. Um, Leave me a message message on social media or just shoot me a text if we know each other personally. One last point, I'll definitely have Aben on again sometime. Like a lot of my guests that I've had so far that I've lined up, um, I look forward to another episode and I already anticipate another episode. So Aben has a lot more to him, and 
I think we we have a lot more to to talk about. So hopefully I'll have him on again soon. But thank you for joining me on this new episode of Points of Intersection. And until next time.